Podcast Studios. This is the award-winning After 9 with Scott and Kat. This is great, guys. Uh, first of all, hello, and thank you for checking out the podcast. We got a text this morning from someone who's dying to have some of that Glenn go fuck yourself you were talking about last podcast. Yeah. You know what? I think it was Jason that texted into our FM radio show. Podcast listener, radio listener. That's great. Listen, I, I'm, I think this is a brilliant idea, Kat, and I didn't even realize how good an idea it was when I came up with it. But now that other people are weighing in on it, we've got to make the Glenn go fuck yourself happen. If we can do that... We will be famous. I think the key here is, without having to really go through the process of creating an alcohol, we create a drink that really tastes like a go-fuck-yourself. And you can use one of the Glens. I mean, pick a Glen, right? Pick any one of the Glens as a base, and then you add a bunch of shit to it that makes it a Glen go-fuck-yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And there's a lot of the Glens. I mean, my favorite's Morangi, but you're right. If we just pick a Glen and use it as a base, make a cocktail out of it and call it a Glen, yeah. go fuck yourself. Imagine going to a bartender and saying, yeah, I'll have a Glen, go fuck yourself. That bartender's going to want to throw you out. And that's amazing. Or give what you a, a beautiful high five. Scene. I mean, <laughs> I'd rather give a high five. Uh, my sister-in-law is a really good bartender, and I have a feeling she would laugh her butt yes. off if somebody ordered a Glen, go fuck yourself. <laughs> So good. Okay, we've got a lot to do, and we're going to try and not take up too much of your time today here, guys, because it's a beautiful day outside. Uh, Shout out to everybody who's listening on the road right now. I know there's so many truck drivers that listen and don't necessarily have a chance to uh, respond to every single uh, thing that we talk about, but we do get those summary DMs from time to time, and we love you. Uh, Let's save the, the AstraZeneca debacle for a while. We'll do that at the end today because there's a couple other things I want to talk about. Uh, you mentioned this this morning. It's a brand new version of Chopped and it's very 2021. Yeah, I mean, we're, here's the thing is you hear about people people cooking uh, with cannabis, right? Cooking with sure. weed. And I I've think, never done it. And I think people will automatically, well, it's, it's actually really difficult to get the consistency that you need, honestly, because sometimes people do it too powerful and that's when you get people telling you, oh, just have like one eighth of that cookie because it's fucking crazy. <laughs> and it's always, by the way, good to have that heads up because in a lot of cases, you can't have the whole cookie. The stuff the government makes, oh, you can have the whole cookie. You'll be fine. It's, it's pretty tame. Right? Yeah. So there's a lot of in between there. So when you cook with cannabis, the, the I believe the goal and I don't either, Scott, I, I won't I don't cook with cannabis. I have no idea how to. I know friend, I have actually friends that make weed butter. So that way they just put the butter on whatever they want mm-hmm. um, and they perfected it. Great. But when it comes to that, I think a lot of people are unsure of how to do it. And I mean, here in Canada, we live in a country where we could totally do that. It's completely legal. You want to cook with cannabis, cook with cannabis. You can do it out on your own property if you want to. No problem. So this new Chopped uh, 420 is coming, get this, April 20th. I see what they did there. To Discovery Plus. I, I, be- I believe, and I'm not familiar with the Chop series, but there are a couple of past... Um, judges from the original chopped that will be involved in this i'd imagine taste testing these is a lot different than taste testing the usual shit but and i don't know how that works but they're going to put it on streaming i'm assuming because it's not legal across the board in the u.s right so it's not like you can have it on and i think they want to be careful where they air that since it is not legal everywhere so that's why they're choosing a streaming service that way it's a little more protected That's fair. Uh, A couple of things. Number one, if you're one of our great American listeners across Canada, you're allowed to not only consume marijuana, 
you are allowed to even grow it. And we have stores where you can go in and buy it. The problem is, is that it is all it's actually not a problem. It's probably a good way to get society introduced to it legally. Uh, It's pretty weak stuff. I mean, I think the max you can get is 10 milligrams of THC in anything. I think is it 10 milligrams? Yeah, I think everything equals 10. Like if you have a chocolate bar and there's four pieces, each piece is two and a half milligrams. Anyway, 10 is the limit here. So I think when you're cooking with it, you got to be careful. One thing I'm not clear about. Will you get high eating food that's been cooked with cannabis? Mm. I don't know if like when you cook it, it takes away some of its potency. Maybe it makes the potency even worse. I'm really not sure how that works. Well, I know with baking, the answer is, yeah, you get high. You get real fucking high. Sure, but yeah. I'm not sure how it would work. It depends on what the... Maybe that's the whole purpose of, of this, though, is to learn how, how dif- cooking different types of cannabis can change the impact uh, and the outcome after you eat it. I don't really know if they'll if they'll go that deep on it or if it's just more so, hey, you made it taste good without making it taste like shit. Congratulations. Hmm. I don't know. Chopped, for those who don't know, and Kat, you said you don't watch the show. Is that right? I do not, yeah. So basically what happens is they give you a basket of ingredients and you have to incorporate all of those ingredients into the dish, but they'll fuck with you. So they'll say, okay, here is some... Uh, some flour, some eggs, a pork chop, uh, a, a sweet potato, and a can of gummy worms. Oh. Make it work. I mean, with weed, this show is going to be exceptionally easy because everything sounds like a good ingredient when you're high. Every single fucking thing. When you're high, that's when you start doing shit like, I don't know, trying to rebake cookies that are already baked and stupid shit like that. <laughs> well, that's where it could get interesting because you know a lot of chefs and they tell you to do this. Like, real chefs will eat and taste things as they go. Right. So if you're sampling away trying to make this feast and you're sampling away at the at whatever it is, let's say they do use weed butter in whatever products that they're making, that could get very interesting at the at the end. Next thing you know, they're making like fucking stacks of cookies and they're like, where the fuck did the cookies come from? We didn't, we didn't tell you to make cookies. Like, who knows? With Cheetos on top. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to make craft dinner with a uh, steak and some mashed potatoes and some ground up lima beans. It's going to be amazing. Yeah. Like, it's not amazing. But when you're high, you can talk yourself into that shit. It's great. I'd love your take on this because you are not. And correct me if I'm wrong. I don't think you ever have been a cat owner. You would be correct. You've never owned a cat. You would be correct. No, my parents had a cat, but I believe I wasn't even born by the time the cat, one of them, one of them, uh, pieced out and just left to another family. And the other one, I think just died or something else happened to it, but I don't even think I was born. So I couldn't even count that. Yeah. I believe that I've just never had one. Yeah. Okay. So whatever cat's going to respond to this guys, keep in mind, she's not a cat owner. I am a cat owner. I have a rescue because I am incapable of saying no to my daughter. And I have another cat because my mom couldn't have the cats. I actually, I live with two cats. I live alone, but I have two cats. It's fucking weird. But anyway, don't judge me. For this story, it's in Turkey. And I looked it up, by the way. We have 21 listeners in Turkey. 21 people in Turkey Um, listened to After Nine. Hello, Turkey, and thank you for listening. Love that. This is in the Karabaglar district in Izmir, Turkey. There's video of this. It's a cat carrying its newborn kitten in her mouth and it walks right into a hospital. People in the video can be seen stepping aside to allow that mother cat into the building. Some people yelling at others, get out of the way. So I guess that mother cat had previously been helped by hospital staff 
who left out food and water for it during Uh the winter months. Uh This time she returned with her kitten. The kitten, sure enough, was sick. It had a pretty serious eye infection. Mm -hmm. So when the mom brought the baby in, the kitten, the doctors did what doctors do. They did an assessment. They realized, okay, we're going to need an expert, a.k.a. a veterinarian. So they brought a vet in and the vet diagnosed it as having that infection. They treated it and the cat is going to be just fine. So here's my question to you. Was it a pure coincidence that the building the cat happened to walk into was a hospital? Or do you think on some level that cat knew that I've got a sick baby here and I'm going to take it to get to somewhere where they can help? Okay, so although I've never owned a cat, my... My boyfriend's family had three cats at one point at the same time when I was basically living there. And one thing I can tell you about cats is they are they are smart and they are very aware of their surroundings. They know where to go and where not to go. I mean, how else can you explain them being a lot of outdoor cats being able to find their way back and managing to survive even in some very harsh conditions? So they're not stupid. They know. So this cat was familiar with this hospital because they left out food and water. Cats usually tend to come back to that familiarity. Even the stray cats that would linger around my neighborhood continue to linger around because someone's feeding them. So they know. I guarantee you if that same cat got hurt, it would come back to whatever house was feeding it. So, no, I don't think the cat knew it was a hospital. No, because then you see more circumstances of cats randomly going to hospitals when they're sick. And be like, yeah, don't send me a bill, though. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, no, I I think it's a total coincidence as a hospital. It just so happens that the cat was being fed there, which is lovely of them to do. And that's the first place that the cat went to when it was when it knew something was wrong. That's all. So you don't think it knew on some level that those people are the ones that can fix shit or fix people or or animals that are sick? You don't think that was factored in at all? Just a coincidence? Not at all. Huh? See, I look at my cat sometimes, the one that's actually mine that I rescued. I look at him sometimes and think, fuck you're either really stupid or you are so smart, like almost deceivingly smart because mm-hmm. they're they do such dumb things. But then they're fucking sneaky sometimes. And I think you're smarter than I give you credit for. So I really don't know what the answer is. But uh, either way, the cat is fine. The kitten is fine. And this video is adorable. Mm. It, it really just does show you the power of uh, a mom's love. Doesn't matter what species it so is. Cute. Speaking of which, I posted this on my Instagram story yesterday. Um, one of the viral sites on uh, Instagram had it. Did you see this mama bear trying to hurt her kids across the street? Her little cubs? I did, yes. It's adorable, it's- and it's so true. Yeah. Any parent who's got more than one kid has been through what that poor mother bear <laughs> really went cool. through. It's- you take one kid to where it's got to go, and then, oh, fuck, where'd the other kid go? So you go back and you get the other kid, and then, oh, the first kid's back over where they weren't supposed to be. It's a shit show. Yeah. It's an absolutely relatable video. And and the poor mama bear is just like, as soon as it happens, as soon as she gets one cub across, it starts to dart out. And you can tell there's frustration, like... Would you fucking go where I told you to go? And these cars, <laughs> by the way, are just waiting very nice and patiently. Thank goodness. But waiting for these bears to cross the street and all of these baby bears to end up on the other side of the road with their siblings and where mom wants them to go. I'll never forget. It was actually when I got pregnant with my first that I decided, hey, I gain a little bit of experience and I'll take out my niece and nephew uh, to Swiss Chalet, I offered to kind of babysit for the day. I'm like, I'll take them out to a restaurant. It'll be easy breezy. At the time, they were two turning three. I'm like, this will give me a good indication as to what's it, you know what's it like going to a restaurant with kids. Scott, it was fucking terrible. 
<laughs> fucking terrible. So I got there first and my husband was going to join me later on and meet up with us for dinner. So I drove them there and that was not a problem. Got them in the restaurant, but it was right around Christmas time. So my nephew was like, ah, I want to look at the Christmas tree. There's a Christmas tree in the lobby of this Swiss chalet. Yeah, I thought I'll let go of your <laughs> Here's mistake number one. I'll let go of your hand and let you go look at that Christmas tree in the middle of the restaurant lobby. You'll be fine. And you just want to look at the Christmas tree. So I let go of his hand. This little fucker darted, (laughs) darted away from me into the restaurant. So now I'm literally, I'm standing at the front reception. You can picture what the restaurant is like. The, the, The hostess hadn't even shown us to our table yet, but my nephew was gone. So I had to go. So I'm dragging around the other child. They're twins. The other child, poor, poor Sarah, I'm dragging her around with me because I got to catch up to William, who's entering people's booths, who's tapping people's heads, who's almost running into the kitchen. It's a fucking insanity. So I got one kid crying because I'm dragging her through the restaurant, trying to, trying to keep up with her brother. Finally, I get them both in a booth. And that's when I re- realized why a lot of families with young kids want a booth so they could just fucking keep them in somewhere and fence them off, basically, with their own bodies so they don't leave. It was hell before I even ordered anything. Uh, so that exact video of that bear and those cubs reminded me of that. And I thought, yeah, that's why I also don't go dino to eat with my old family because mm-hmm. I don't want to experience that 2.0. Yeah, I hear you, Kat. I mean, I had uh, at one point younger kids, too, and it was a challenge with two. I don't know how people do it with three, mm-hmm. four, five mm-hmm. or more, but uh, more power to you if you're a parent that's in that situation. Good for you. OK, let's. Uh, oh, actually, quickly. Uh, this is a story that is up at scottandcat.ca. That's where we post all of our top trending stories every day. A lot of the time, stuff you hear us about us talking about on the podcast, you can find on the website. It is the Caucus Club. I said Cactus Club earlier, but I think that's just because I miss the Cactus Club. It's yeah. the Caucus Club and in been, Michigan. And to be fair, I, I thought it was Cactus Club, too, because I've been to a couple of those, and they are upscale. They're very nice places. Mm-hmm. Um, so I Good after work spot. Mm-hmm. So this place, the Caucus Club, is very, very, very similar. But they just imposed a dress code, and part of the dress code specifies that you must be dressed at least business casual. They specify no sneakers, no hoodies, no hats. They want everybody dressed appropriately because they say if you're going to dine out at a restaurant of their caliber, you have to be dressed for the occasion. And now they just added to it. If you smell like marijuana, you are not welcome in this restaurant. It's actually part of the dress code. They want you to smell a certain way or not smell a certain way. Mm. Is that going too far in the dress code world or is that perfectly okay for a restaurant to do? I'm fine. I'm totally fine with that. And you could get into all the details of this and why you like it or don't like it. Some people will be angry and say, well, well, why stop there if you smell like cigarette smoke? But then other people might be worried. Like, what if this person just has lingering body odor and they can't control it? You're going to kick people out for that and just mask it as you smell like weed, but they don't smell like weed. Look, I think no matter what, it's fine. Because if you are so offended by that rule, just don't go. Don't go. You don't have to go. There's so many restaurants. I think the fear, though, from some people is that this is an infringement on their rights, an infringement on their rights. Right. But but look, and and more will follow suit if one does it. It's not like they're going to lift your armpits as you walk in and sniff you. So everyone just needs to calm down. I'm sure they've had one or two incidents of people walking in smelling hardcore like weed. You know, you know what I'm talking about. 
You've been out before and been slapped in the face with that smell. Some people really hate it. Whether it's, and sure, I'll use cigarettes as another example. Some people, if you really don't like that smell, why would you want to try to eat and have drinks around that smell? If you're that potent that they can smell you as you approach, you know, the front door of the place, yeah. Like, I'm sorry, but take your business elsewhere. You stink, and you're going to piss off all of my customers who are going to leave and not spend the money that they were going to spend because they can't tell your, they can't take your obnoxious smell of whatever it might be. And again, I know there's people who are going to say, well, what about body odor, right? Some people are kind of uh, stinky. I think you have to be extremely stinky for them to use this as an excuse for you not to come in. And again, I stress... If it offends you and you're worried about your own smell, whatever it might be, hey, some people's cologne is offensive. Some people's perfume is offensive. And I'm also okay with them putting that on the lists. Like, if you stink too much, like anything, if they, that's up to the business. If they don't want to serve you, they don't have to. And you can go take your money elsewhere. Power's in the money, baby. Go spend it somewhere else where they're fine with your stench, whatever it might be. Yeah, I mean, I think that we've all got different things going on in our lives. And for some people... Uh, smoking a decent amount of cannabis to the point where you can probably smell it coming off of them. That's part of their lifestyle. And as a society, we all have to coexist. And me personally, if I go into a restaurant and the person sitting next to me smells, I don't necessarily expect that that person is going to be asked to leave. But I know that I have a choice to leave if I don't want to be there or ask to be reseated. Uh, Cigarette smoke, especially in the winter. Yeah, those cigarettes smell even worse in the cold. If I sit next to somebody who smells like they've smoked a pack of darts, I get it. It sucks, but I can also move. I don't know that the onus is necessarily on them to go elsewhere. So uh, this dress code thing, I mean, they can do whatever they want. They're a business owner, and and hopefully they're uh, responsible in implementing their dress codes. Uh, regulating smell, that's a new one, but I'm sure that there's many customers who will go out of their way to go there just because they know what they're going to get. Whereas with no rules, you never know what you're going to get. Let's go on to, we got a whole bunch of different COVID stuff to cover here. So we'll start off with Peel and Toronto. Again, being a fucking nag. So, And if you live in Peel and Toronto, I'm, I'm not talking to you specifically. I'm talking about your leadership. So when I say Peel, I mean mainly Patrick Brown and Bonnie Crombie. When I say Toronto, I mean John Tory. They've all written letters to the province saying as hotspots, they should be given priority for vaccine vaccines and vaccinations. They think that because they have had the worst numbers since day one of this pandemic, they should get vaccinated first. And there's a lot of people who have been doing all the right things. And and in their community, they've done everything right. That are looking at this request saying, fuck you. You guys were the worst in all of this. Why would you get the vaccines first? But then there's others who say, well, I mean, we don't want to reward bad behavior, but if we give it to them first, maybe it'll end this shit sooner. Should Peel and Toronto get vaccinated before everybody else? Or can we just agree that we're doing this based on age and based on vulnerability? Controversy. I sense controversy happening here. (laughs) This is insane. I mean, just because you're a... I know there's people piled on top of one another, and it's definitely tougher in those areas. But there's, I, I'm trying to think of it as a business thing, right? An economy thing. And if we want our economy to get moving, you have to spread them out everywhere, I think. Because they're small businesses, and it doesn't matter where, whether it, we're talking about in air or in Toronto, 
that are suffering right now because of this. I think it's totally unfair to just hone in on one area and give them way more vaccines. And yes, there's, I mean, sure, per population, I suppose, uh, there's an argument, but it doesn't mean that you get to hoard them and put more in arms just because you continue to be in a zone you don't want to be in. So the way I'm reading the temperature of the public, and this isn't scientific, this is all anecdotal, but I'll tell you the what I think. I think people in Peel and Toronto feel they're rightfully entitled to get more vaccines first. But the other side of this is I'm looking at people up in Gray Bruce. I'm looking at people in in Halton, which has been the, the bright light through all of this in the GTA. I'm looking at people in Durham and Peterborough and the Kawarthas, and they're all thinking, get the fuck out of here. You guys are the reason we're still in this because you couldn't control the spread. Mm -hmm. You guys let it run hog wild. You were the worst offenders every single day in all of this. Why on earth would we give you guys priority over us? We want the vaccine, too, and we did do everything right. So that's the other side of the story. That's kind of the way I'm reading it. Uh, if you're in Peel in Toronto, though, maybe you're just looking at, at the numbers every day thinking there's no hope unless they vaccinate people. This is never going to right. end because there's certain people that are just letting this spread happen. Let's also keep in mind that it's not so controversial for someone who leads a particular small area to beg for more to be in that particular small area. When they get reelected, they're getting reelected by the people in that area. So they don't care. They don't give a shit if they piss off someone like me in KW because I'm not voting for them next time, no matter what. I don't live there. So I think it's a lot easier for them to say that anyway and feel like I'm, I'm good with taking the heat because the people who live here aren't going to give me any shit for that. They're going to be like, yeah, that's right. We get more vaccines. So I don't think that it's actually as controversial as you might think for them to ask. I'm sure everybody would ask for it. Maybe not so publicly. Uh, but again, like you said, I think you put it well. They put themselves in that position. So ask yourself what you did wrong before. Don't just claim that you need more vaccine more vaccines there's other shit that you obviously did wrong along the way to get you there oh and there's the uh, ridiculous argument that well brampton's got more essential workers than anywhere else so we need them hey listen we've already said we're going to vaccinate essential workers we've already done that that doesn't necessarily mean that you guys should be vaccinating 30 and up while everybody else is doing 60 and up just because you guys have had a problem and this is also very political you alluded to it and you're a hundred percent right Patrick and Bonnie and John, the big three, they've since the beginning of this pandemic been putting out these insane requests and then they just dump it on the province. Okay, we're going to ask. Go ahead, Doug Ford. You tell our people they can't have their vaccines before everyone else. Yeah, because it matches their political agenda just right. Right. They're not going to piss off anyone who's going to potentially vote for them next time around. But they better hope that they don't run into a circumstance where they're running for something, you know, in front of the entire province who might look back on this and remember and go, hey, you fucking idiot. I remember when you did that and tried to screw over the rest of us because you were so focused on on yourself, not thinking about other people here who are vulnerable, who need it over others. Yeah, I don't know what the right answer is, but Peel and Toronto and they a few other bigger cities, too, have all asked that they be given priority for vaccines and Yeah, that's a tough pill to swallow for a lot of people who are patiently waiting for their vaccine, but growing impatient by the day. And speaking of vaccines, this National Immunity Council group of fuckers that we've got here, oh, the National Advisory Committee on Immunizations, that's their full name. These are the people that after Health Canada approved the drug came out and said, oh, no, 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 don't give it to the seniors. So we stopped giving it to the seniors and started planning to give it to the younger people. 
And then they changed their mind on that and said, no, 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 we were wrong. Just give it to everybody. (sighs) Okay, fine. Now they're changing it again, saying, actually, it shouldn't be given to anybody younger than 55. What in the actual fuck is going on here? What is going on? We've got a drug that, by the way, is still not approved in America. And it makes me wonder, what do the Americans at the CDC know that we don't know? There has to be a reason that when they're vaccinating as many people down there as they are, they haven't approved this one yet. And they're sitting on a stockpile of millions of them. If they did approve it, they could really ramp up their vaccination efforts, but they haven't approved it. In fact, they gave us some of it. Yeah, I don't know. So, yeah, I'm just wondering, do they know something that we don't? Or did we not pay attention to a flag somewhere? Or how can we possibly, with a straight face, tell Canadians, yet, no, not for seniors. Oh, wait, no, it's good for everybody. Oh, no, wait, no, now it's not good for young people. How can they possibly, with a straight face, look at the public and say this? They have to pull it off the market at this point now until they go through and do a whole new set of studies. Is that the right way to look at it? Yeah. I mean, I we've had these conversations before, especially about this vaccine. And we've chatted uh, before with Dave when he was on the podcast. And and apparently the way it goes for some people is, oh, the doctor says I do it. So I do it. Oh, oh, the doctor says don't do it. So I won't do it. When there's this much flipping and flopping, how does someone not raise a red flag and say, no, like what the fuck is going on here? Yeah, I, I don't I, I don't understand how we can possibly bring this back again without people turning their heads. There are some people who might still be willing to take it and that's fine. And that's on you. But the fact that I will be picky about what I take is my choice. And I certainly will be. And already before all of this went down, the AstraZeneca one didn't sit well with me at all. I wouldn't have taken it even if it was sitting right in front of me a month ago. So that was my choice. And this is a great example of why, because it sounds bad and people will likely just read headlines and they're very confused one second it's okay for this age group then it's not then it's okay for this age group wait hold on it's not then this then that you can't blame people you're about to insert this into humans there you have to understand that they're going to be confused by this whole thing and now we're at a point where yeah they might have to just completely ban it and you're right about the u.s do they know more i'm not sure they're going to have their own independent studies just like any country might have their own independent study on it and until that's complete they're not going to risk it and thank you for that u.s they're doing something right there. Don't risk something if you're unsure of it. And they're, when it comes to all the vaccines, I understand there's things we're unsure about. We don't know long-term effects of all of them. <laughs> they were just created, sure, but they're likely to be fine. But this AstraZeneca one has given us nonstop red flags, whereas people in healthcare even are saying, that's a lot of red flags for me. Like, that's, yeah. that's a little bit too much at this point. So uh-huh. I know some people in healthcare who are saying the same thing. That makes me un, uh, totally ter- nervous about that whole thing. Um, the U.S. does have so many other vaccines, lucky them, so they can get away with doing this, and it's not going to slow it down too much. But, yeah, I am I roll my eyes every time I see a new AstraZeneca story because, to me, it's foiled. It's been done. It's, it's, it's finished. It's not happening for me. By the way, a quick update on what's going on in America. Starting at the end of this week, Floridians 18-plus can get their vaccination. Sorry, 16-plus wow. can get vaccinated anywhere in the state of Florida at the end of this week. In New York, as of Wednesday or Thursday, it'll be one or the other, they're going to say that anyone 30-plus can just go and get their shot. That's how far ahead the Americans are. 
200 million shots in 100 days. That's part of it. Within three weeks, 90% of the U.S. population will be vaccinated. They will have achieved herd immunity. The pandemic will be over in uh-huh. America by the time we get back from spring break. And le- tell me this, too. Do they have enough to do the second immunization? Because that's another thing that's a big issue here is th- we, we don't know enough. And we've mentioned this in the podcast before about the efficacy between the first two doses and then following the second one are they going to have enough to fully vaccinate all those people in, a, in their proper timelines so basically the way it was explained to me is america has an unlimited supply they will have every shot they need now job one is to get everybody their first dose but given that they're doing the first dose for everybody in roughly a month to a month and a half They can stop and do the most vulnerable people with their second shot between 21 and 28 days. Those who are a little less vulnerable, i.e. the healthy employees who just happen to be eligible for one or the people that showed up in the right place at the right time. They might have to wait just a little bit longer, but this is a supply and demand issue. It really is about supply and they've got it. I'd feel pretty optimistic about uh, the vaccination If I were in America right now and the effort. Oh, and by the way, when they say that they're going to have 90 percent of uh, actually it was 90 percent of those over 18 years old vaccinated within three weeks. That is uh, uh, at clinics that are guaranteed to be within five miles of where you live. So no matter where you are, you will not have to travel more than we'll say 10 kilometers to get your vaccine. That's how convenient they've made it in America. Like, they're doing everything but handing you a coffee and donut when you leave. Fuck. Yeah. Good on them. I mean, hey, I'm jealous as shit, but uh, I'd love for it to be that way here, but we're clearly not there. And now, two things are happening. You're going to start to hear a lot of messaging today about not gathering with your family over the Easter weekend. We talked about that last week. We all know it's coming. But the new conversation that's going to have to happen today and likely tomorrow is what are we going to do about spring break? See, back in March, we didn't have spring break. We moved it to April so the kids could have a longer stretch in the classroom. And the reason they did that is because the last time we had a break was the Christmas break. And there were so many people or so many infections going around the province after the kids got out of school that school got shut down until February. It was an extra month of distance learning. So the kids got back. They said, "Okay, we're going to push through. Let's move spring break to April. Well, that spring break is the week after next. And now the theory is that if they let kids go for March break or spring break, I guess we have to call it. School might not return to in-person learning. Mm -hmm. If the worst happens, if the numbers are still going fucking wild, they may not be able to return. And we talked about this on our radio show this morning, and and I'm going to be honest with you. I was shocked at the response we got. I was fully expecting a full court press. Uh Uh-uh, kids need the break for their mental health, and the educators and education workers need the break. It wasn't like that. First off, uh, we heard from, was it, at least three different text messages from nurses and or doctors Mm -hmm. that said the teachers don't need a break as badly as medical staff do. We've been working without a break for a year now. That was what we got from some of the medical professionals that texted in. Parents, many of them who just got back to work, are looking at the possibility of, okay, we could have that spring break, but I'm going to have to take a week off, even though I just returned to the office. And it's possible they won't go back, so I may be stuck at home for a while. Months. 
if that's the end of the school year when they go on break. And they're saying, "Uh uh-uh, no way. Power through, go right till June, take that spring break and take it off the last week of the school year. Let them out a week early. Yeah, I feel like I'm I'm so thankful that I, a that I don't have to make this decision because I no matter what you do you're going to piss people off. Yep. The loudest people here seem to be based on what I'm seeing, uh the people working in the schools. Yep. Those they want the, that break. Those are the loudest people that I'm hearing right now. But there are some parents coming forward. We had someone say that regardless they're going to take their kids out. You have every right to do that. So great, good for you. Um specifically it was about the screen time because they're on the screen constantly right now and they they are they want to take those screens away from their kids. They don't like that they're on it as much as they are. Okay, yep, you're absolutely entitled to doing that. So you want to give yourself a break, that's okay. And can I just say too that I mean that is that is an option for parents who are in that position where I want them to have a break. You can do that. Um it where it gets tough is when you have educate or educators or people who work in schools, anything to do with schools who have kids in schools as well, because they don't have that option. Just be like, no, I'm going to pull my kids out because then you have to be off work. But if they're telling you you have to be in the school, that's where it can get complicated. I feel like, again, you're not going to get a, you're not going to get an, a good answer for this just based on how opinionated people are on it on one side or the other. You're going to piss people off for sure. I mean, mm-hmm. I think a flex week might be the best thing, but it's going to hurt the teachers. The teachers are going to say, what the heck? Uh, we had someone message us that works on the custodial staff that said that they have plans that week to do a deep clean of the school, to clean filters and change this. And th- according to them, that's the week that they have to do it because there's going to be no bodies. It's a lot easier to do it. So if not, it's going to take them twice as long to figure out how to do all of those things. Um, and bus drivers, I'm sure you're, you're, they're all in the same spot. Again, I'm so glad I don't have to make this decision. I know as a parent what I would do if I had school-age kids and my kids aren't there yet. I'm hoping by the time my oldest goes to school in September that we can get back to some form of of normalcy. We'll see. But I'm not sure what I'd even do. I'd probably hope for the schools to be open, but that's only because and continue to run because I feel like let's just get this out of the way, get you through school so I could get you out by summer, and then everything can kind of, at least for the summer, we know that we're going to be home. Is there a possibility that if kids go for that spring break as planned, I mean, they just say, you know what, we agree with the the educators that uh, kids need a break and, and the education workers need a break. So, yep, we're going to do spring break as planned. As for after that, we don't know what that's going to look like. Is there anything to be said for it will probably be an extended one? If, if we do spring break, it's not going to be one week. It's likely going to be at least three weeks, maybe a month. But we might be able to get them back into school Uh, around the middle of May, maybe right after the May 2-4 weekend, and they can finish the school year in school because by then the teachers will have been vaccinated and the majority of adults will at least have had their first dose. Oh, my God. That makes me dizzy to think about that, though. And again, thankfully, I don't have a kid that I have to worry about. But I I wouldn't want that for my kid. No. Don't bring them out for three weeks and then put them back in there in the hopes that the vaccines are pumping and everyone's doing better. Three weeks won't make a massive difference here. Unfortunately, I mean, I really wish it would, but I don't think it will. So to the way that I see it, just my opinion and my thought, but I would be like all for them working right through. If my kid was in school right now, I would say, let's go through. Let's just do this thing. Get this out of the way. Give me a week earlier. Get me a week earlier, right? So June, whatever it might be, 15th, get my kid out of there. And and fine. And then let's see what happens come September. There's so many parents that don't want their kids out of school. They don't want them out of school. And it's weird because you've got some parents who are saying the kids need a break for their mental health. And then you've got other parents saying kids need to be in school 
for their mental health. And I don't know if anybody can claim the moral high ground here on mental health. Uh, Maybe it does depend on each kid, but it really does come down to this. So let me say this to everybody. It comes down to this. It seems like the variants are getting pretty bad. If they take the break, it's going to be longer than a week. It may be multiple weeks. It may be that they don't return to in-person learning this school year. With that in mind, do you still want that break? You can have the break, but it might be the end. The whole thing may be up after that. Or you power through, and it's highly likely that kids will probably go right through until the end of the school year as scheduled. What would you do? And it's a rhetorical question. Think about it. What would you do in that situation? If you want to weigh in on that or anything else, you can DM at Cat on Air. That's Cat with a K or Scott Fox on Air. Uh, one last thing here. It does look like um, the premier is going to have a big decision to make. And I'm sure I know what the doctors are going to tell him. Today, there are 46 new patients in the ICU. That's a single day record since the start of the pandemic. There's never been 46 new ICU admissions in one day. That also sets a record because it puts us at 410 people in the ICU right now. The record at the height of the pandemic was 405. And it's weird because I remember at the height of the pandemic watching those ICU numbers freaking out. It doesn't seem like the vast majority of people are freaking out right now, even though there's more cases, they say, than there was at this time last year. They said we would shut stuff down to preserve hospital capacity. Now we're at a place where we have to talk about hospital capacity. It's so funny. I mean, it's not funny. Oh, my God. Let me just be let me just stress. It's 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 not funny. But at the same time, like, I don't even bat an eyelash, Scott. Like, I see your your COVID updates. You've been consistent with with giving those every single day on social. And I hear them on the news. And every time they come down, uh, you know, in the beginning, it was like, oh, we're up to 300 cases. Oh, we're up to 400. And now, like, you could be like, it's 3,500. I'd be like, oh, fuck, that sucks. Like, I... <laughs> You're right, though. That's like, what people are doing. Oh, well, fuck, that's terrible. Uh, you know, like the fucking... Oh, yeah. Well, but then I just... And then I just say to myself, like, well, yeah. I mean, I, I know why. I know why. Because we've all been through this for a year now. We all feel like we are pro-COVID, you know, peeps. And whatever we've been doing since the beginning, we're likely still doing now. If you're a super careful individual, you are you are playing those codes by the T. You're an orange zone. I'm orange zone guy. You're, you're red zone. I'm red zone girl. Here we go. But there are the people who have been doing the same shit since the beginning that are going, yeah, okay. It doesn't matter what I do because those numbers are going to, those numbers are going to fluctuate, but I'm going to keep doing me. And maybe that's what it is. I'm not sure. For me, it is. I mean, I've been doing the same thing since the beginning that I'm doing now, basically. Similar. Very I'm doing similar. the same stuff I was doing too. Like, I don't know. It hasn't changed for me. And maybe that's why, because for me, it doesn't really matter. Like, it doesn't matter. I'm still going into work every single day. I still see my mom because my mom's my care provider for my child. So I get to see my parents. I'm lucky in that way. I, I get to see my siblings as well. I'm still doing, aside from the very beginning of the pandemic, I should say, I didn't see any of them for like a month, two months. But after that, it's been the same shit, man. I don't go out a lot. I don't go clubbing. I don't care. But those numbers increasing, it doesn't surprise me. Because I think even if you are, if you were those people that did socialize a lot, that did see friends, that did see a bunch of people, you're still trying to find a way to do that. And I've run into those people before who have DM'd me and been like, Kat, yo, if you're good with it, just come over. I've got like 15 people. I'm not comfortable with that. So I'll say no. I, st- I see my bubble. And to me, it's still a bubble. 
I see my bubble, but you're not in my bubble and I don't know who the fuck you have over. So I don't take those chances. But there are those people out there and they're continuing to do the same thing that they've done the whole time. So the numbers increase. It doesn't really surprise me. Plus, you add in the variance to the mix. We fun, right? Then obviously you're going to get a little bit more. The hospitals do concern me. Absolutely. We cannot overwhelm them. But and I just spoke with someone recently and this is the way they see it. You tell me how you feel about this. Okay. We don't want to overwhelm those workers, correct? We don't want them to work tirelessly for hours and hours, but don't make them work for longer than they have to. If you caught COVID, you were obviously, this is their thought, okay? If you got COVID, you were obviously doing something stupid to catch it. You show up at the hospital and they say, plain and simply, we have no no room for you. And you fucking sit outside. You wait. You don't go in the hospital. And that's your choice. You made whatever choice you made to get to where you are. Is there anything to that? Because there are people I mean, that think that way. That's a bad look. We don't we don't turn away anybody who's in need ever. And if someone is sick, we have a healthcare system that is set up to protect them. And I agree with you. They couldn't have caught COVID if they were doing what they were told to do. That's just a fact. Mm-hmm. But they did catch COVID and we do have to deal with that. Uh, turning them away, telling them to wait. I don't think that's fair at all. But I also understand the argument that our our healthcare workers are gassed. There's no gas left in the tank, and this is when we need them the most. I I just feel horrible for them, and and everything has fallen on their shoulders, and it's not right. Let me just say again, we should have been vaccinated by now, and the fact that we're not is just putting more pressure on those hospitals and healthcare workers. But in the name of being fair here, let me point out that while that ICU number, 410 people in the ICU, that is a new record. That's not evenly distributed across this province. Right. That's in certain hot spots where they've got more than other areas. I mean, I'm looking at, uh, well, where we broadcast to Kitchener, Waterloo. What were their COVID numbers from yesterday? Six people are in intensive care. Six in the entire region. Mm-hmm. Uh, Wellington, Dufferin, Guelph. That's a massive public health unit. Five people hospitalized, two in the ICU. Mm-hmm. Certain areas are worse than others, and those areas that are worse, I, I get you guys want your vaccines. Well, so do I, right? So do I. And and you know what? I've done everything right. I don't know why I would have to wait longer to get my vaccine, longer than you, who is in an area that is just not doing well. It, it's a we've gone full circle on this conversation now, but it, it's a an impossible choice to make, and I don't envy the people who have got to make those choices. What are we going to do? Are we shutting down again? No, sir. We're not shutting down. If we need to shut down certain areas, then let's look at the hospital capacity numbers and and maybe take a break from looking at those new cases. Maybe hospitalizations should guide us until we're vaccinated. Although at the rate we're going, it's going to be a long fucking time. Mm -hmm. I'm really serious. If I get an opportunity to go somewhere else and get a vaccine, uh, I have dual citizenship. If I have to go over to the UK and get one, I'm gonna, there's going to be a time where if it's not looking oh, good here, I'll go somewhere that. else. I hope it doesn't come to that, Scott. Well, you know, I mean, I I, sooner or later, we've got to take our own health care into our own hands sure. and being vaccinated is the safest way to be. And if if they if our government can't do its fundamental job, then we're going to have to take it into our own hands and go elsewhere. Maybe it's America. Maybe it's the UK. Maybe down in the Caribbean somewhere, they're offering out shots for the right price. Uh, sooner or later, it's going to come to that if they don't get this figured out, especially when Florida is vaccinating anyone 18 plus New York is doing people 30 plus. 
That's a massive chunk of the population that's going to be done. They will be at herd immunity soon, and we're nowhere close. Mm -hmm. And it's a disgusting failure of leadership. Failure. Okay. I hate to end on failure, but fuck. (laughs) Fail! Fail! Okay, well, fuck you guys. Have a great day! (laughs) (laughs) Go go pour yourself a Glen, go fuck yourself, won't you? If there's a good bartender listening and you want to experiment with some recipes, you feel free to send them our way. It's the Glenn Go Fuck Yourself and tell us what's in it. Please. That's awesome. Have a great day, Hi, it's Shauna, and I might be a bad parent because my kids think french fries are vegetables. Hey, it's Ryan, and I might be a bad parent because I went out for wings when my wife was in the hospital after giving birth. Johnny here. I might be a bad parent because in my house, the tooth fairy gives pocket change. But we're not alone. Len emailed us and said his six-year-old daughter's Tarzan moment going from love seat to lazy boy by curtains made him more proud than any dance (laughs) recital. And Andy left his two-year-old at the rink. All right, guys, I'm sure we're not alone. Like Andy's kid. For stories and confessions like this, make sure you check out our podcast. It's called Bad Parents, and it's available wherever you get your podcasts. I left a glove at the rink.